0: Welcome to the Scalable Marketing Machine podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Hedra, marketing consultant for female founders and creator of the Scalable Marketing Machine Accelerator. I've helped dozens of women grow and scale their businesses from six to seven figures and beyond, helping founders like you to implement my proven growth system that focuses on brand communication, marketing strategy, building your lean team, and leadership. On this podcast, we talk all about what it takes to get to the next level in marketing and in life, focusing on practical, tactical advice that will help you grow your business and explode your revenue. Are you ready to learn? Let's dive in. Hello, welcome, welcome, guys, to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here with me. We're going to talk about the year and how things are starting, and I'm going to share some things that are on my mind and some goals that i have for the year so you know i feel like the year started off slow and fast i don't know if anyone else feels this way i think that you know right i feel like the holidays went super fast and january just like flew by and i'm recording this and we're already in the second well yeah second week of february and my theme. I've been thinking about what is my theme for 2024. And I don't know if you guys do do that yourself when you're goal planning, because of course, I love to do sort of goals, obviously, Um, my business goals, my life goals, my personal goals. But I also think it's really fun to assign a theme for the year. Because it's something that you could always come back to. And it helps to ground you and stay focused. Because even when you're executing all of the goals, there's normally one sort of topic that if you focus on it's that one thing right it's that one thing that will really knock over all the dominoes and oftentimes i've through the years i've i've really focused on being more organized being more organized and that to me i feel like that's a little bit triggering i don't know why because i think i'm always in this constant pursuit of being organized and it's that funny thing of, well, what does it really mean to be very organized? What does that practically mean for me? And it's hard for me to define. Um, I had this terrible experience this past week where my son was going on a field trip for school, right? And we had like the permission slips and all these things, and they sent them like weeks ago. But we had to go to a certain link on the website to like put, you know, to pay for the actual darn field trip and he reminded me of it like two weeks ago and it I just like completely forgot I just I just completely forgot until the night before where I begged the teacher to be able to give like, the money in cash to go on the field trip and he wasn't able to I felt so so bad and he was such a good sport about it but that experience really kind of jousled me a little bit to to think about why that happened. Right. And of course it's like a silly little thing, but it really lends itself to what I'm feeling now, which is like this just brain overload. Just there just being too much information in my brain. How can I stuff any other piece of information into my brain? And I think moms feel this way a lot, especially because we're typically the ones, and again, if if you have partners that are equal sharers in this, like go you go. But for for a lot of people I talk to, it really is like mom who carries like the doctor's appointments and the dentist and the field trip slips and the dress up days. And do we need, you know, two dollars cash for the popsicle party or whatever it is that on top of everything else it is to be an entrepreneur and have your own business, which there's so many things flying at you. But even more so if you're in the moment in your business where you have other people working for you and i think one of the things that's causing me kind of the most agita right now um, is that i'm i'm in the process of onboarding uh, two people in the well the third actually the third's going to be onboarded next week so in the in this month um i will have onboarded three new team members um into into my business to help support me and it is necessary and is very 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 Um, important, these roles. But at the same time, I have these people in my life that are going to help and relieve a lot of, of workload and a lot of stress. But this ramp up period where like this person is there and you want to just say, okay, bye, like now you take over those things. But they're not going to be that helpful until they're revved up, they're onboarded, and then they're doing the thing for a little while. Like there is of course, like a learning curve for onboarding. And when I, when I go back to like, what is my big theme of the year? It is to be a great leader. Because when you are a great leader, it's that one thing, there's a book I forget who wrote it. That's called the one thing. And the whole book is like a hundred pages. and the whole point of the book is like, just focus on one thing. but the the point is, is that like there's one thing that if you really put your time, energy, and effort to one thing, that will sort of make all of the rest of the dominoes fall into place. So if you have a couple goals, it's sort of well, what is the one thing I can do that makes all of those goals sort of like irrelevant or like allows me to achieve those goals? So my one thing is leadership and it's how can I be a better leader? How can I support my people better? So they are doing the things in my business that needs to get done and done well and better than I can do it. And this is a huge lesson for anyone listening because that transition period of you doing everything yourself and then you start getting help into your business is this moment where people get absolutely stuck. And I've talked to so many founders where they've, on, they've hired people and they've like onboarded them and they weren't good enough and they didn't work out or they didn't get the results or whatever. And 100% of the time, it's because they were not set up for success. So in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be focusing a lot on leadership and how we can all be better leaders. And I'm knee deep in reading a book called The One Minute Manager. And I got it from the library. It just like jumped out at me. The book is about 40 years old. But what really struck me about the book, One Minute Manager, is because one minute, how great is that? And as I'm reading the book, it reiterates these really important um, action items that you as a leader have in order to make sure you're setting up your team for success. And each of these action items shouldn't take more than a minute. And when you kind of look at it that way, it's like, hey, I could be consistent in doing these three things to set myself and my team up for success. It's not something that will take hours and hours and hours of time, where oftentimes it does feel like that. But once you have things set up properly, managing your team should be really quick and efficient. And I'm going to bring you on that journey on how you're going to get there. Right. I'm uh, I have I'm reading this book. I have a lot of other leadership resources that I've read um, over the years. I've also worked with a client that all they did was leadership training. So I have a good foundation for leadership, but it's one of those practices where you always have to be improving and and just retraining yourself and developing better habits. So I'm going to share all of the juicy things that I'm learning because I think it's going to it's going to help me, but it's also going to help you. And it's going to help me to teach you because when you teach something, it kind of gets more entrenched in your brain. But before we go on that, that journey, okay, so stay tuned because the next couple episodes we're going to dive deeper into it. But I thought it was interesting because in the book, it sort of first zooms out and sort of talks about leadership styles. And there was one particular passage that really, really just knocked me over the head because it's something that I've always felt, but I've never been able to articulate. So they say that in the book, they identify. There's normally like two types of leaders. There's leaders that are more um, like results driven and really usually very sort of tough, um, give a lot of pressure to the team and often are, are kind of difficult to work with right? And their philosophy of these sort of leaders and bosses are, you know, it's about results, right? It's not really about the people. It's really about the results that we get. And either you can cut it or you don't cut it. And if you don't cut it, you're out, right? Um, But then there is the other end of the spectrum, which is really people-focused leaders. And and with people-focused leaders, they really are concerned about the development of their team, the support of their team, but one of the big missteps often of these people-focused leaders is that it—they often are sort of prioritizing the the people and how they feel and um, you know if they're correctly supported at the detriment of the results. And so the mission statement of the one-minute leader is that you need the one-minute manager is that you need to marry these two pieces for like a perfect balance in order to be the most effective and effective and efficient that you can. And what I really identify with as a leader is this idea of being more people focused. And so it is often sometimes at the detriment of the numbers, right? And you don't wanna be fully focused on the numbers but if someone's not performing, it's usually for people that are more people-focused, it's a conversation. It's definitely a lot softer, right? And of course, I'm always pushing my team to, do, to get the metrics and, and the, the results that they need to do. I'm always pushing them. But I can understand that to a point um, that is not effective enough. And why, right? Why? Why? because the most effective leaders, and I can say this in my own experience, 100% of the founders that I've worked with and the founders I've worked under, is that having a healthy amount of fear for your manager or your leader or the CEO is important. And how do we sort of develop that fear? And I don't know if fear is the right word um, because I think that it's often more could be tied to this desire to not disappoint, but there has to be a consequence for the team that that you're working with. And it's not like a, I'm going to fire you, you're out or whatever, because every team member, every person has the ability to be a great team player, a a team member in the team, really um but i think that oftentimes when you're in environments where there's strong a strong ceo right that has a, a personality that really like demands excellence what happens in the organization is that everyone that is working in the business feels that pressure but that pressure they put onto themselves because There is a fear, there is a fear of being called out. There is a fear of being reprimanded. And that fear is an incredible motivator and driver for doing really quality work, for really doing your best. And for a lot of founders that I work with, myself included, it's very difficult if you're not a person that is naturally really strong headed to be able to bring that energy with your teams. And so my journey, through reading this book and this leadership development, I've really switched, flipped this switch to figure out how do I have to show up as a leader in order to elicit that kind of respect from the people that work for me, right? Because there is a it does exist a place where there is kindness and there is a concern for people. And there is a concern for their development and that they, and they're being supported in addition to showing up as a leader that doesn't accept people not performing to their um, capabilities. And I think when you think of it in that way, right, it's not about, oh, that person is just a lazy person or that person just simply is careless, right? It's framing it in the sense of we can be disappointed in our team members, not because like they suck and they're just bad, right? That's not, that's actually normally, it's just, that's not the case. It's that we're disappointed is because we know that that person could do a better job and and maybe they're not bringing all of their effort and all of their capabilities into the work that they're doing. But if we have that sense of, uh, I, I wanna say a sense of respect, right? That we elicit that respect from our team members, that they're more likely to show up in that way that we need and show up in that way that is going to really drive action and drive results. So with all of this research and all of this learning, I also think that it's pretty fun and interesting to talk through the different leadership styles. Okay, so why talk about leadership styles? Because in this concept I'm talking about as being more like goal-oriented or more sort of people-oriented and figuring out how to bridge that gap, that's not really a leadership style. Um, It's more like, you know, normally like how someone's personality is, right? Just naturally. But what I think or what the journey that I'm personally going on is how can I intentionally develop myself as a leader in the way that is going to feel authentic to me? Because sometimes when we, when we read books about leadership, they're kind of telling us how to be. Um, but we all have some natural tendencies, but we also have a vision for ourselves and our company that lends to these four different types of leadership styles that we're going to go through right now. So I, th- I think it's pretty fun. So the first leadership style that I wanted to get to is the autocratic style. So an autocratic style is sort of leaders that make decisions independently and then provide clear expectations to the team, right? So it's really the leader is sort of telling the team what to do, sort of have a clear idea of what the path is and really their, their main focus is driving everyone in the same direction, but they make the decisions themselves. They know what wants to ha- what needs to happen and wants to happen um, for the business themselves, and they're just like driving everyone to that destination. They have the destination; they're driving everyone to the destination. Okay. Um, and so that is that's how most of us lead, I think, by default in the earlier stages of business because I think we are less confident in the strategies to grow the business like it's it's still in motion right it's still in this kind of testing and maybe you don't feel so confident in sort of taking other people's ideas you just are really trying to put those puzzle pieces together so you just need people to do the things that you say right so that would be more of an autocratic style but the next kind of style and this is the style that I truly truly uh try to live in the space I try to live in, which is a democratic leadership. So when I'm working with teams, I am at the point where I'm so comfortable in the steps that it takes to, you know, build and run effective marketing teams. Like that is my wheelhouse. I've been doing it for so long. I know exactly all of the steps. It affords me the opportunity to be more of a democratic leader, meaning being more collaborative in making decisions. So I love involving my team members in team making decisions. And I actually like to really like leave them to problem solve, right? Um, But maybe this is you naturally. Maybe you love to bring people on and you respect their experience that they have and you want to get their opinions on the strategies and the things that you're executing in your business. But of course, it's a very different style than an autocratic. An autocratic is like, I know high level what needs to be done. I have a very clear direction of what needs to be done. I just need it to be executed. And the democratic is a little bit more like, yes, you know that high level strategy and what needs to get done. But in my case, it's saying, I prefer to have my team kind of push and stretch themselves to problem solve for themselves. And so some, some folks are not comfortable doing that, um, but some folks do that because they're, they don't trust themselves. So they defer to everyone else for answers. Um, that wouldn't be very effective either um, because I think you have to show up as a leader with that sense of confidence. And if you truly are getting input, it's not out of insecurity, it's out of sort of that, that confidence, right? That you're saying, like, even if I don't know the full answer, I'm confident because we're going to make collaboratively the best decision and we're going to lend on different people's experiences. The next type of leader is a transformational leader, right? And this is a leader that really wants to show up to help people change and grow and to motivate them and encourage them and inspire them, okay? So this type of leader is one that is usually a little bit more hands-off and if you say like there's some I would say there's some famous leaders right that are just when you hear this term like visionary so I'm just here to be the visionary of the business this is sort of what a transformational leader would be right I'm here to just keep everyone so aligned and motivated and excited about our big vision for the company and our goals or whatever it is that the most of their time and their interaction with the team is sent on just getting everyone really jazzed up. So that's really a transformational leader. Now, oftentimes if that type of leader is working with, with their team members, they're going to be ones that are constantly just pushing that team member to improve and be better and have better tools and to grow and really motivating them to be their best selves, right? So that's a transformational leadership style. And then the last leadership style is the laissez-faire leadership style. And the laissez-faire leader is really a hands-off approach. And I've seen some really interesting examples of this laissez-faire leadership um, in big and small teams. I've seen founders that are like, okay, hey, I hired you guys. I trust that you got it sort of under control as long as like the numbers are in place then you guys just kind of keep doing what, what, what you're doing. And you sort of, you know, you don't kind of wrangle that day to day. You're there to sort of oversee everything and sort of check the boxes. But you kind of give your team the keys to sort of ride, drive the car. And that's when you're sort of in the mindset of thinking more as an investor in your business rather than a, you know, a CEO. But what's interesting is that, again, I've seen that type of leadership in different size of businesses. And a lot of that depends on what are you going after? What is your goal, right? Are you trying to really grow the business like 10 it? That's going to bring a different energy to, hey, you know what? This business is working. It's producing like enough for my lifestyle. As long as things kind of go on the same path, I'm 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 good. Like I'm good. I don't, I don't want to aggressively grow. I just want to keep it going and I have my team that's gonna just just do it for me. I think sometimes like this reminds me a lot of like, let's say you own a franchise, right? Say you bought a franchise and you're gonna open up a McDonald's in your town and or a Chipotle, let's say a Chipotle, because we always, I always see the owner of the Chipotle and the Chipotle near near our house. Um, but a lot of times when you're buying a business like that right? Or you're running a business like that, you get a manager in there, you put them in there, and you're not the one making the burritos, right? You kind of put the team in pit, you've paid for everything, you put the team in place, and they're just kind of, you know, they're running the day to day, you don't have to be in there, you know, making the burritos. So I love for you to think about like, what kind of leader do you want to show up as, right? And I'm going to give you some examples of these leaders, because it may surprise you. Um, So I was looking up some, doing some research and trying to understand what are some female examples of really strong leaders um, in these type of leadership styles. So for the autocratic leadership style, the example that I came up with was Oprah Winfrey. So this may come as a surprise, but when Oprah was hosting her show, it's been really documented, uh, documented that she took full, like, ownership, full responsibility, full rights to the show's content. So even against the, like, the advice of the network or to the dismay of the network, she had a very, very clear vision of the type of show that she wanted to create. Now, I'm sure that I can't imagine her not being collaborative. But she is an example of a person that really was driving Strategy really driving um, and molding everything about that business. It was like her brainchild, and so if you are someone that can relate to that, maybe you are an autocratic leader, right? Someone that has a very clear vision of where you're going or what needs to happen, and you just need the right people to to help you to help you execute it, right? Now. The democratic leadership style. So one of the famous examples is Sheryl Sandberg. Okay, so Sheryl Sandberg as CEO um, or chief operating officer at Facebook is really famous for being author of the book Lean In. So she's really known for promoting um, inclusive and collaborative work environments. And in her book, she gives instructions on how organizations can um, really foster the development of this collaborative work style, especially for women in the workplace. So she encourages like open dialogue and values, diverse perspectives and fostering uh, of culture, right? So this kind of leadership is really focused on building a awesome people culture in the business, because if if this is something that's resonating with you, maybe in your long-term vision of your business, you are, you are growing this team and your business is like has this awesome culture and you're kind of running this family, that would be a democratic leader. Okay. So let's move on to transformational leaders. So who is a good example of this really um, inspiring transformational leader? So the, the person that I found that really matched this was Malala who has the um, Malala fund, right? She's a very famous activist. And so she in her business side also kind of carries that inspiration and growth orientation into all of the things that she runs on the business side. Um, and you can see that in the way that she's an activist and the way she shows up to sort of um, help, uh, you know, help kind of that individual, right? So she's really showing up as a leader to really change the world. And maybe that's you as well, right? Maybe you're just, really getting your hands dirty, doing the work, inspiring others by being an example. This is an is a example of a transfer, uh, inspirational. No, sorry, transformational leadership. And then the laissez-faire example that I have is actually Sarah Blakely. So Sarah Blakely is famous for being a very kind of hands-off leader, right? And one of her biggest philosophies that she's very famous for is failure, right? learning from failure and so giving people the chance to kind of do things on their own and sort of fail on their own and learn on their own is a big philosophy that she has kind of instilled into her leadership style and so when you think of laissez faire it's not oh like i don't i don't care right of what happens right it is more of this hands-off approach and it is a a people-centered approach right it's kind of saying i'm going to let the people sort of set their own goals and sort of learn and fail from their own mistakes and in the end they're just they're going to get better i'm going to give them the support when when needed but more or less let sort of the car drive on its own so in those four leadership styles which do you connect with the most i mean i think i've explained the one that i connect with the most but um but i don't know i think that sometimes it's pretty cool to think of that laissez-faire leadership of saying maybe one day in the future you know, you could have a business that kind of runs on its own. There's plenty of founders that kind of create situations like that for themselves. Um, but maybe you're excited about building a company, right? And maybe you're really that that um, that democratic leader, right? You're really, well, that, sorry, let's see. That oh, Yes, you're that democratic leader like Sheryl Sandberg, right? You want to create this company, like this is what I connect with, that is, you know, people that you love being with that are really excited. It's really collaborative, right? Or maybe you want to be the face of a movement, a transformational leader. So there's all different ways that you can kind of envision yourself growing as a leader. But I think when, if you're a person like me that's thinking about, you know, how can I make my, my life easier, right? Which is being a more confident, more organized, more streamlined leader to the people around you, right? And really getting that support that you need before going into the journey of the technical, like tactical pieces of it, I think it's good to zoom out and do a little work on the vision because sometimes we kind of fall into leadership style, but we're not really conscious of it. And I think it's really fun to lean into one of these leadership styles because as you develop your day-to-day practices as a leader, thinking about these different leadership styles um, and consciously creating uh, actions in your business and interactions with your team that showcase the type of leadership style is going to help you sort of get to this vision that you have for yourself. So I hope that gave you some food for thought. Stick around because in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be digging deeper into the practical, tactical things that we can do to make leadership easier, make management easier of the team and people supporting us in their business. So until next time, I will see you soon. And keep going. You did it. You made it to the end of the episodes. Thanks for sticking around with me and listening all the way to the end. I really appreciate you as an audience member and I hope that you found this helpful. If you did like this episode, it would mean so, so much to me if you subscribed, if you rate and review this podcast, it helps other people know that this podcast has something worth saying. Also, it'd be super awesome if you could take a screenshot and share on Instagram and tag me at Ugly Ventures, U-G-L-I Ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. I am always so appreciative to hear from you, and I hope to see you back here next week.